idea how the how the levels are there, but uh, sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty loud. Sounds pretty loud. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode. Pretender to contender. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm Joe Matarese. With me is the man, the myth, the one of the greatest podcasters really the history of podcasting I mean, <laughs> a lot of people have been saying that andrew steiner thank you thank you joe thanks for having me back um joe who is this lovely lady behind us is um, that francesca this is a girl that i use in my remember when show i use this slide when i say an uh, when I do a roller skating bit and I talk about the 80s mutants that would come up and ask you to skate when it was a uh, lady's choice. Mm. It was never the hot girl. It was always this mutant. And uh, <laughs> this is the girl I use. It, it, her eyes peeking out in between us. I just noticed that. <laughs> Real Poor scary. girl. I mean, um, if she only knew that when you Google 80s mutants, her picture comes up. <laughs> she looks a little like Cindy Lauper. Kind of, um, Joe. So, did you know? I did you see the the story I put out to promote people calling in? No, because I don't think anybody called on the voicemail. I, got, I just posted it, and I didn't get any calls. So, did you? I mean, I posted your, your number, but no two one people called. Said, two people said they called in. Really? Yeah. Usually, I get an email when people called. When did they call? Yesterday? They called yesterday. Yeah. All right, let's take a look. I don't think so, but um, maybe I'm way wrong. I don't know. I hope so. It does say 11. 11. Let's take a look here. Because I posted it with this uh, slide of me and Frankie kissing, and it got like 500 views on on my stories. I did see it because she cut all her hair off, so she looks like a guy kissing you. Yeah, yeah. So I told people to put it. I said, this is the first time I kissed a woman with hair shorter than me. Uh, call in with your rare sexual experiences. Oh. All right. Well, geez, I'm going to have to uh, let me. Well, I, I, I can always add an edit in the podcast because I got to I got to pull up the uh, the Google voice. Everybody. It's always nine, five, one, two, nine, eight, nine, eight, nine, nine is always our number. Uh, and uh, I I have to pull up pull it up on the computer to take a look, and I and I don't want to do that at the top of the podcast. We can have a no. little bit of a lull towards the end of the podcast when we're uh, when we're <laughs> when we're searching when we're searching for that. Yeah, uh, sounds good. Also, a lot of people um, from last week's episode mentioned how could they I gloss over a story. That, I do that a lot with you, I think, on the podcast because I forget that I, I've heard the story and no one listening to the podcast has heard the story, so I won't even ask you to elaborate. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, I'm the only guy. You mentioned having sex with a guy once on the podcast, <laughs> and I didn't even follow up, which is ridiculous that I could... Like, if you were on the Artie Quitter podcast when I used to do that with Artie Lang, um, I'm sure that would have been a two-hour conversation. Right. And I didn't I didn't even elaborate. So there's that and then this story you talked about last week 
Which is is a I mean, if I had to go down in classic Andrew Steiner stories, this is one when you first told me I was like, my friend Andres always makes this sound when you when you say something that he wants to hear a lot more about. He goes, "What?" <laughs> so that that was a definite what you you you, you stole uh, a bunch of food at some point in your life from a Whole Foods and got caught. So Ron Poliquin especially was like, how did you gloss over that? I That was the first time I ever really heard something about Andrew that I was like, oh, my God, let's hear. Because, you know, Ron's well, well, a lawyer, so of course he wants to hear a breaking the law story. Ron Ron glosses over uh, the fact that he's a amateur pro wrestler. Yeah, did you see those? Yeah, I did. I'm like, what the fuck? I would never have guessed. I would have never have guessed either. He comes out flat. I'm like, no wonder he's in the gym and sh- putting those on his Instagram all the time. And it's so funny. Like, yeah, yeah, Ron, we'll get to that. Uh, Jesus, yeah, Ron, we'll have to have him call in. Secret. Uh, I don't. I don't know what kind of people do you think get into pro wrestling. Is that similar to comedians, ex porn stars? Yeah, I know. I mean, I know a bunch of comedians uh, who who do it or are into it. But but Joe, I just want to request. I'll tell this story about the Whole Foods, but I just don't don't put it in the title. You know? Okay. Why? Because you're it'll uh, affect your career. Yeah, I don't want people to be looking, searching me, and then they see that, and then they're like, "Oh, let me click on that." Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then they never hire you because they're afraid you're going to steal all their food in the kitchen of the comedy club. Exactly. Can exactly. you? <laughs> You got to let them know to a disclaimer. You you only steal high end food. You're not stealing like curly fries from the back no. of a comedy club. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> you steal you steal tuna steaks. Oh yeah, truffle butter. Do you you remember I brought some truffle butter over to your barbecue? Yes. <laughs> what did we use it for? Uh, I don't remember. Truffle butter. Now okay. So I'm. Give the whole backstory too. Like, how old are were you, and and is what you know what made you dabble into this? Uh, you know, and 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 people listening also. I've shared how I used to I used to commit crime in my early comedy days. Uh, never got caught though, but we <laughs> stole radar detectors for about a six straight month period where wow. we were shattering windows and stealing radar detectors. And we got enough money together to go to spring break in Daytona Beach. And then I, ne- I never did it again. But I look back and go, what a fucking asshole I was. Shattering yeah. windows to steal radar detectors. And what a fu- and I wasn't underage. I was like 19. I could have went to jail. Damn. So. All right. Let's take so it back. Take it back. Um, I mean, I wasn't that young. I was much older than you. I was probably like 31, 32. Okay. Uh, um, and I guess it started with I was working this job where I would do shopping. I would go shopping for wealthy people and deliver their food. And at, while I was there, I'm like, oh, well, I'll pick up myself up some lunch and I won't pay for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's how it started. And um, I, I say this again, a- you would pick up their lunch and not pay for it. No, I'd pick up my own lunch. Right. You know, I'd buy I'd buy them. $150 worth of groceries, and I'm like, they're not going to check the bottom oh, of the cart. You would add your lunch onto theirs? No, no, no. I wouldn't make them pay for it. I just would leave it in the cart and not check check it out. Oh, okay. Because I had my own cart, and it, there's these carts called VersaCart, 
which they're like, you can't see through them. They're just like plastic, blue plastic sheets. You know, they're deep. So you can't really look in the bottom unless you like really crane your head and look down. Mm-hmm. And you can't see if there's anything from, from the outside. Now, if you had to think back, I mean, like I said, I was committing these crimes at 19. But if I have to think back, I mean, there were times when I was young where I would shoplift little stupid stuff like gum and candy at at the 7-Eleven down the street from our house. Did you ever shoplift before this? Yeah, I mean, when I was real young, like up to age 10, I had a problem. But after that, like from 10 to like 20s, my late 20s, early 20s, I never really stole. I like purposely changed that about myself when I was like an adolescent. Yeah, I'm curious, like... It's funny because it's a definite dysfunction. It's like, what causes somebody to go down that? You know, because it's like you could technically when you're stealing shit that you could just ask your mom to get you and she probably would. And you choose to steal it instead. There's some sort of high that you get from it. Right. Yeah. I think it was the high. I think it was probably a little attention seeking, a little self-destruction. I mean, it's it was probably different when I was like six and seven and eight than from when I was uh, in my thirties. But um, yeah, no, I had a, I didn't, when I was a little kid though, I had an issue. Like I would always shoplift and I would shoplift a lot. Like I would like, <laughs> you know, like stuffed animals. I remember going to the Seven Eleven and like just cramming candy under my shirt and then pretending I had a stomach ache so it wouldn't fall out and then be like, Oh, I gotta go. And I got away with it. Like and your I, mom I mean, had no idea. I mean, I think my parents, I got caught while I was stealing with my parents a few times. And it was real embarrassing and scary. Did they get pissed? Yeah, but not enough for me uh, to stop doing it. You just kept going. Yeah, but I think at a certain point I realized like, oh, I don't want to do this. So, um, yeah, I was going to say, what happens as in, in your adolescence that made you go, I got to stop this? Did you get caught? Probably, no, I think I just, like, was trying to get my shit together as a human being. As, you know, at a certain point, I I just was, I was tired of fucking up in life, really. Mm-hmm. You know, even as a teenager. Because I, I got expelled from fifth grade, you know, and they put me in some crazy-ass school with a bunch of mental mental uh deficit people now i don't want to skim over anything since ron poliquin said how did you skim over that so it's like now i'm hearing podcast listeners in my head now going well ask ask him what what did he do to get suspended like now i want every detail see i feel like i was i was living the life of like a delinquent 17 year old when i was like 8 9 10 11 do you know what i mean like i feel like i was precociously an asshole punk kid it's Um, so weird because you're this overly nice person now like if i had to describe you it's like very kind like you don't have any asshole tendencies at all and then you're doing these asshole things were you were you not kind when you were young were you getting in fights yeah i was getting in fights i was just very impulsive like i didn't really have a uh I didn't really think about things before I talk, I spoke or act acted. When did and the, I, what would a fight go? What, what would it be a fight be like when you were younger? If it went down, like how did they start? 
I mean, really, most of my fights were with teachers. Like, I would like, I just hated because my dad was a little overbearing. So I would hate when teachers told me what to do. Like, it would it would trigger all my anger towards my dad, and then I'd freak out and just not do it. And then they'd freak out, and then it would escalate. And sometimes I like I remember I got expelled from fourth grade for punching the principal in the stomach. You punched you punched teachers and shit when you were young. Yeah, it's hilarious because you can't even. You're so young. What damage could you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was a strong kid. <laughs> I was like, I, was, I don't know. Uh, so you get expelled though. So what do you get expelled for? In fifth grade, I got expelled because I had this big crush on this girl, and then she started dating this other kid, mm-hmm. and I like, I don't know why. I was just like, I chased him with a road flare. Uh, I brought in a road flare. Oh, you were that crazy kid. Okay, I could I, see that cr- now. But it wasn't lit. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I thought you needed ma- matches to light it because it looked like a stick of dynamite. So I thought you had oh to light a fuse. God. And then they expelled me for having matches. That was what the expulsion was for. Yeah, you, I had a kid like that in high school who, yeah, I'm pretty sure he got expelled. He was that... Like back when we, I'm so much older than you. Like now, you really have serious shit go down in school. Like when there's a, a bomb threat, it's real. Like when we grew up, there was this kid, and he there was always. He, I remember a bomb threat from, the, and when they found out it was this kid, and they expelled him, and he was always nuts, man. He would climb to the top of this water tower that was in our neighborhood, like. And it was huge, and he climbed that little ladder all the way to the top and went up there with his lighter and was just standing on top of it. He was fucking nuts. So it sounds, like, similar. Like, you were just, like, attention-seeking. Okay. So you get yeah. expelled, and then how do you, is it hard to even get in another school when you do some weird shit like that, like show up well, with a flare? Well, they put me in this school called Clearview up in, um, I don't even know where it is, like, fucking Sleepy Hollow area. And um, it was a real weird school, honestly. It was a very strange place because there were people who were like intelligent there, but there were also like people who were completely fully autistic. They had people staying there until they were like 19, 20. They had school during the summer. They had like three teachers per class of like nine students and they would restrain you at the slightest hint of you being crazy. They would like literally like three teachers would get on you and like twist your arms behind your back and like hold you down like forcefully for hour, an hour or whatever. It was like real weird, creepy, kind of creepy place. I'm surprised in it's it's making me think of movies like different movies that have been released about delinquent kids. But there really hasn't been one about the life of one of these kind of places where they're living in these schools that are made for like delinquent kids. Like I remember that movie bad boys growing up with Sean Penn where he was like, but that was like a jail. Like that was like prison. Like I think he killed somebody and he, and they put him in there. So that's, that's more jail. And then I remember a movie with Matt. It might've been Matt Dillon growing up where they like torched the school like all the bad kids got together and they like fucking brought the school down and like lit it on fire and locked all the doors 
so no none of the cops or parents could get in and they were just fucking destroying the fuck out of the school i still remember that movie and it freaked me out but it's one of those you can't stop watching it at the same time you're like oh there's something intriguing like when you're telling me this there's something intriguing about crime and i've always been intrigued by prisoners like prison and prisoners like it's just fascinating this wasn't quite prison i mean it was it was nice in some ways were your friends delinquents too at the school or like just in general like kids you were hanging out with like just kind of doing crazy shit yeah i had this one friend dusty who used to carry around like a mannequin head and uh you know (laughs) <laughs> what what are you doing with it? He was just like he was pretending to be like this pro wrestler, basically. And he would fight people. I don't know. He was but um no, but the place I went to wasn't a jail. Like we didn't live there. We didn't stay there overnight. Um and it but it and it was kind of fancy in a way. It was like an old mansion. It was like an estate. Um but like a very old estate, like with giant columns and what city was it in? I told you it was near Sleepy Hollow. Oh, so you would just bus there every day? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's, yeah, for people that are listening, Sleepy Hollow is about twenty minutes from uh, where Andrew lived in New Rochelle, which is where I live now. Okay, yeah. so then you stop, and now what escalates it back up again? Where you get caught at Whole Foods? <laughs> Had you been doing it a little bit again when the Whole Foods incident happened? I mean, I had been doing it for a year and a half, two years, a little bit, but, but I think I had gone through this period where I I was in a long-term relationship. Um, I, we'd broken up. I moved back to my mom's place. I was kind of miserable, you know, feeling shitty about myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I was just, I think I was just trying to like compensate in a way where I was like, okay, my life is kind of terrible, but at least I'm eating well, you know, at least I'm eating really well. (laughs) And you would know how to make all this fancy. It it was just food. You didn't dabble in the stealing other things. Like I, I did. I actually stole this hoodie I'm wearing now from whole foods, (laughs) but only from whole foods. I think that's that's true. They have clothes in whole foods. How do you steal a shirt? Where do you put it? Like I told you, I had the same card I I had for work. My mom had one of those carts, so uh-huh. I would just put it at the bottom of the cart, and then I'd buy some things that were on the top of the cart on top of the freezer bags. They would never look in the cart. And then one day, I was I had just gotten out of a, a podcast session. I was working for for a couple of you know you know Mark uh, Mark DeMeo's podcast. Yeah, with all the ex cops. Yeah, the cop podcast. So I literally went from the cop podcast to Steel. Would you tell Straight. them these stories on their podcast? No, hell yeah. They, they, they still don't know about it. That would have been a them. great episode, you telling this shit to cops. <laughs> nah, I don't want That would have been a good one because they're ex-cops. They would probably laugh at it, but they would. it would be an interesting conversation. But I didn't want to lose that gig, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to. So I never told them. They still don't know. Well, you're telling think. everybody right now, so... Yeah, but Bill doesn't watch shit. I mean, I've told it before on the various things. Oh, okay. A little bit. A little bit. All right. So you start getting this uh, fascination, and you're you're you you start stealing. I'm sure it starts small, like one 
thing of food and then it starts escalating right and you yeah, know how to I cook w- all this shit yeah yeah i mean some of it you don't even need to cook i mean it's just <laughs> prosciutto and shit like that how do you but. steal oh you stole like the a pe- it's funny that you say that because mm-hmm. i um we had people over yesterday it was my daughter's birthday and uh for the super bowl party i went to uh like a to chico's is like a whole foods it's this really high-end italian supermarket up here in, in westchester and i bought like i bought prosciutto and capicola and like made these great sandwiches on this really good bread that they sell there and uh i couldn't believe how much prosciutto was mm-hmm. like i don't know if it's because of everything that's going on in the world right now and it doubled in price or that's what it is normally but it was $30 a pound. Yeah, that's how much it normally is. Yeah, so I went and got this cheaper version that was called like spec prosciutto. You know what yeah, that is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's only $20 a pound. <laughs> and yeah. it tastes the same to me. I didn't I didn't notice a difference. What's the difference in spec than it's regular? Not as, it's not as nutty. There's not the subtle nuttiness of, of prosciutto. <laughs> Because uh, they so, feed those okay. pigs. pigs. So you have acorns. this you have this scam going that you probably think is unstoppable. It's just yeah, because it's I'm, right at the bottom of your cart and you just wheel right through. But I was stealing like two hundred, three hundred dollars worth of food each time I went. They got cameras I, I, in there. How do they not see you walking out with it? Well, eventually they did, and I would also mix it up. I wouldn't go to the same Whole Foods every time. You know, I would, I would rotate. Um. <laughs> it's no it's just it's it's sad because it's bringing bad memories back in my younger days when i i can think of three three or four different bad things that i did that were illegal now that you're saying this stuff so i wonder it's almost like how some people are addicted to drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and that high and once you get it you need to keep giving it to get that high and then you keep doing it and you don't yeah. stop until I'm I'm sure it, it's funny. <laughs> there was something on the news this morning. I was I listen to the news every morning when I drive my son and daughter to school. Like my son's at 7 a.m. and my daughter's at like 8 a.m. I have to drive them each separately. And there was a news story. Someone got paroled today at 97 years old. They paroled oh, them. And it, they were telling the history of his crime life and at one point he got out of jail he got paroled one other time got out and then boom was right back in again yeah and he's been in prison for 70 years this guy and now he's for what out. what did he do he killed somebody oh my god uh but but i just want to say like i think yeah it was just me feeling like a loser and but i had this trapping of success so in a way i could trick myself into thinking like i was hacking the system and i was successful even though i wasn't do you bring this up in therapy because i noticed i'm really honest to my therapist i'll tell him the darkest shit that i've done in my life and uh when we talk it out it makes me understand it and figure it out and not have that kind of feeling going on in my mind it, yeah it helps it a ton yeah i talk about it yeah um i talk about it with my therapist um and i also i felt good it also felt good to like hook my friends up with good food you know like i'd have you were comedian, like robin hood 
<laughs> yeah, I was giving homeless people like fancy salami and shit. And uh, I had a Thanksgiving uh, for comedians, and we had like duck breast and bison steak, and it was it was amazing. Okay, <laughs> that's. I'm trying to. Okay, but, yeah, I don't think I ever was kind uh, giving other. Here, here's a free radar detector. <laughs> Just stole. <laughs> you look like you need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so the day that I got caught, I was, you know, I had an early podcast, so I was kind of tired. I hadn't eaten, so I was a little out of it. I was a little slower than normal. And I get done doing it. I'm out to the car. I'm like, oh, I'm home free. This is fine. And then out comes the manager and the assistant manager. They pull up a cart in back of my car so I can't back out. They're like, what are you doing? Put the stuff in the cart. I'm like, nah, I got to go. Uh, and I get in the car, turn the car on, and then I'm like, okay, I guess I, what am I doing? I can't back up. They're standing behind me, so I'm not going to back over them or even try to back over them or hope they move out of the way. And I'm like, I can't make it over this concrete ledge in front of me because Can I'm going to fucking... you imagine if you would have fleed the crime? Oh, my God, you would have tripled the... Uh... what you did (laughs) yeah that would have been way worse and i was in a fucking prius so i couldn't get over the curb in front of me even if i wanted to and what did it feel like in your body right then when when you saw that that you were nailed felt terrible it felt horrible because the guy was like i won't call the police if you put the food back he said that that, yeah yeah you're lucky but then he but then he did anyway oh he was lying he lied or when I got back in the car, he called them. Uh, and then I, I put, I put the, I got out of the car. I put the food back in the cart. I went back with and him. how much did you have? What did you have that time? Like 240 bucks worth of food, something. Jeez. But, but I also left a couple steaks that I still in the car. So I had them later. <laughs> you still didn't give it all back. <laughs> no. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, and so he brings me to the back. I have to sign this thing that I can't ever go to Whole Foods again or else it's trespassing um, for the rest of my life. And then the cop, I thought that's the end of it. And then the cops show up. And I'm like, oh, you really, you called the police? And I was like, I was like, I, I may be a thief, but you're a fucking liar. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like talking to the cop and he, he handcuffed me and I like had to walk through the whole supermarket with handcuffed. Whoa. Yeah, it was it was so fucking humiliating. Then what? Did they bring you downtown? Um Yeah, they brought me to the Portchester Police Department. I had to wait in a holding cell, which was like really like dehumanizing because it was like this tiny little almost like shower stall with a like a solid door. It wasn't a cage, it wasn't like a fucking cell. It was just like a weird the drain in the bottom and like you know shatterproof glass little tiny window and i remember i was recording the whole thing on my cell phone so it was like in case they said anything i could like magnify what they said and use it in court and did they see you recording it no because i was in this like holding cell that was like just opaque kind of okay um and then they fingerprinted me, blah, blah, blah. The cop was very nice, honestly. Like, I told him I had $200 cash on me from my job earlier, and he made bail $200, so I was able to get out, mm-hmm. um, which was very nice of him. Mm-hmm. And um, 
You don't get yeah. that back, huh? No, you do actually. I think you get, you do get your it. bail money back. Yeah, I think you do. Can you write uh, that off on your taxes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it back. I I had to go back to the after my, because I I, my cousin was nice enough to pay for a very nice, a very good attorney. So I was completely. It's off my record. Uh, I just had to do community service. You know, it's completely dismissed as a crime. Really? Yeah. You were so lucky. I mean, it's a weird crime, too. It's like you weren't even stealing it to sell it. You know, like a lot of drug addicts, you know. I have a friend, they, he used to steal gum. He would mm. steal. He goes, they don't, they don't guard the gum. That's what he would say. <laughs> he goes they guard the, you know in a in a in a pharmacy they guard the uh the razors because they're really expensive they all have locks on them those yeah, expensive yeah. razors he goes but gum you can so he would take cases of gum and then he could sell it to other pharmacies to have enough money to buy heroin and wow. he was a heroin addict so like they called him the bubble gum <laughs> bubble gum bandit <laughs> That's so and crazy. I had a joke for him because he did stand up for like a week. <laughs> and I said, it'd be funny if you developed a bubblegum problem, like you went from <laughs> alcohol to bubblegum. And I go, there, there's no, there's no 20, there's no 12 step program for bubblegum addicts, <laughs> a bubblegum meeting. I don't know. I was trying to come up with a crazy bit for him, but oh my God. Uh, yeah, you weren't, you were just literally doing it for the high of the crime that's it like you weren't the homeless. High. you weren't selling the food to live you weren't eating the food to live it, it was weird I, I also feel like i was doing it for self-confidence which i guess is like a different type of high or like you know a way of viewing myself in a different light well that explains why you were give yeah you were giving it to people it was almost, it made you feel famous, like you were wealthy. Hey, look what I'm making you guys, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it was filling that void of, because you were in the entertainment business, maybe it was filling that, like you felt very unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and it was in that holding cell and like riding back to the parking lot to pick up the car was when I made the decision, like I'm not, like this is not going to I'm not going to do this ever again. This is never going to happen again. Right. And I need to fucking figure my shit out and like what the fuck was wrong with me? Yeah. You sound like me when I started the Fixing Joe podcast right after I got fired from a gig in Hartford, Connecticut for yelling at the audience two nights in a row when they heckled me. And that feeling when he called and fired me and I had to go home and I, I, you know, and I'm a dad and I need this money and I didn't get paid for the whole weekend. Uh, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get better. Like I gotta fix this. And uh, you know, I, I eventually went on antidepressants and then I eventually, you know, well, I was seeing a therapist at the time, but I was like, I, I can't, I can't have this happen anymore. Like even now, because it came up in my therapy recently about uh, being on meds and how it was really hard to connect to this deepness in me that I want to connect to in my performance. That it's hard to get there, but I'm not 
I'm and I never will be willing to go off medication and go back to that angry version of myself and that that I couldn't fix by going to therapy you know some shit you can't fix on your own I mean yours sounds fixable on your own so it's not like some it's not some chemical imbalance in your body that makes you do it it, it was uh connected to an insecurity I'm uh yeah and I will say like I mean I, as soon as I got out you know I think probably the week later I was calling a bunch of comedians or messaging a bunch of comedians. I messaged Sean Patton. I messaged a bunch of comedians and you were the only one who was like, yeah, uh, I do do need help. And honestly, you kind of like pulled me out of that, that morass that I was in. So, yeah, I forgot that, um, that that was the same time when we started working together. (laughs) I forgot about that. I've always been a fan of dysfunction. (laughs) <laughs> like my wife is the first woman that I've been in a relationship with that didn't have some severe shit going on. Like all my friends, my best friend growing up, his dad left when they were like, when he was like five. What am I saying? Five? No, because I knew his dad, and we were friends when we played little league and stuff when we were eight. So his dad probably left from, but they didn't just they didn't get divorced. Like his dad just fucking left. And Damn. never came back again. And then tried to show up again in my friend's life when he was like in his 40s. The guy left for like 35 years. And my friend's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, And his brother was accepting of the dad showing up. But my friend was like, no go. So uh, I've, I have a friend like that. Another one of my friends, Ray Combs, his dad was the host of Family Feud and he committed suicide. Like that was oh, a wow. se- like severe dysfunction is something that like I don't know what it is about me. It, it does not phase me. Like if somebody, I can tell if they're a, if they have severe dysfunction and they're a fucking lunatic weirdo. Like no. Yeah. You know, like I dated a girl for eight years that's, you know, had a very dysfunctional upbringing, but she's like a sweet person, you know, like she just was. And I felt bad for her, you know, that she had to go through what she went through, having a father like she did. Um, But you could tell. I remember hearing that guy Gary Vanderchuk say he doesn't. This guy's like hugely successful wine business and entrepreneur. And he said he doesn't read resumes when people apply for jobs. He goes by their intent. He goes, I can I can read people. I can tell who has good intent. And you had that. You have good intent. And that's something that, you know, you can't. Either somebody has it or they don't. Um, you know you fucked up, you know. And those are the, you know. Those are the people you have to forgive in the world, you know, like like Louis C.K. I mean, no one's really I I don't know if people aren't giving him a chance, but I'm sure he feels fucking horrible. He can't be like, oh, I'm sure he's not doing it anymore. What he he, it was a problem he got and then he got severely punished and for the rest of his life he will be severely punished. But. I would be fascinated to hear him, and I'm surprised he hasn't. I don't know. I didn't buy his hour special that he has out now, but it I was watched, really good. I watched the six minute clip, and it was hilarious that he has on YouTube. You what? You paid for it? 
I torrented it. You torrented it? <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. You're still stealing, dude. You can't torrent anymore. <laughs> okay. Got to come clean 100%. That's like right. when a drug addict uh, just gambles instead. They're like, I just gamble. No, you're, that's, that's still addictive behavior. Uh, you're right. You're right. No stealing. Pay him his six bucks or ten I bucks. Know. I think it was ten bucks. You're right. Did he talk about his issues? No. See, I would be fascinated to hear that. Like, I when that's what made me love the last Chris Rock special. Is he did material about him fucking up his marriage and how he mm. was the reason and and he he was a fuck up and he fucked up and he cheated and all that. I, I was fascinated by that. Like someone coming clean and taking the blame and yeah, then still being that. funny. Yeah. I didn't know he did that. Yeah. I got to watch that. Yeah. Well, he did two versions of that special, which was also really creative. You didn't know this, that guy, that comedian, Bo Burnham, is that his name? Burnham. Yeah. Burnham who like directs movies now. He was his director for the for that special tambourine. And then it came out. And then like a year and a half or two years later, he didn't like the edit. He goes, there was so much more material that he didn't use that I liked so much better. So he decided, because he kind of dabbles in the directing world now, Chris Rock. He directed the special and re-edited the whole thing and put it out again with 90% different material. And it was way, I thought way better. Like his directing was correct. And he said, it's because Bo was a young guy. He couldn't get all that deep stuff about this stuff. And uh, my wife and I loved that special. It's really good. All right, I'll check it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's the story. So that's the story, Ron. That's the ending. You, uh, you, all, you got, you know, you start a new leaf yeah um so i'm trying to think how my story that i wanted to tell can kind of segue and it's i mean in a way it can semi relate <laughs> uh i don't know if it, this could be a dysfunction of mine but like all i have written down is here i went ebay crazy <laughs> um I never bought stuff on eBay before. Do you ever buy anything on eBay? Yeah, for sure. Like used shit? Uh, yeah. I bought a lot of like used guitar gear and amps and I'm trying to sell a painting right now. Have you ever returned something that you bought on eBay? No, I don't think I have. Because that's my question. Because So I had these four shows this weekend of Remember When at the Stress Factory in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. And I had hired a director to help me with my one-person show. And what was hard was I wanted it to be this real one-person show that is like has a little depth to it, to it mm -hmm. instead of it just being what I, I said I felt like it was, which was stand-up with pictures, which I'm like, and just talking about oh, I had this, and my son has this, and here's all the jokes about things that sucked that we had. Like, I knew, I, I'm intelligent enough to know as a performer to know that's not groundbreaking, right? That's like almost hacky. 
when comedians just go, remember this? And that's the joke. <laughs> remember this? And that's the joke. And I was like, I don't want this show to be that. I want this to have a reason why I'm going back. But mm. the problem was very hard to give stand-up material a reason when you're doing it in a stand-up comedy club for it to have this fullness to it, right? It's very hard. I, I don't, I'm trying to think, like, Richard Pryor might be the only one that I can think of that it was, like, very vulnerable and very funny at the same time. It's really hard for it to not just sound like jokes. Yeah. Um, and then when I tried to add the meaning, I'd start bombing because it doesn't work in a comedy club. So, uh, whatever. So I hired the director, and we worked on it a lot. But still, I said to her, this is the problem. I work at comedy clubs. I work where they want me to be funny. I do a private show in a country club where they're hiring me to be funny. I don't have any gigs where I'm doing a one-person show in a theater. Granted, I could seek it out, but I wouldn't get... I'd make nothing, probably, if I did it that way, right? I, this way, it gets me paid when, when I do it. So, and that can be... That's been an issue of mine a long time in my career, is going for the money mm -hmm. instead of just doing what your heart says to do and not worrying about the money. It's hard when you need to pay your bills. You need money, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, so cut to, I do the, I hire her. I say, you know, I don't have any of these gigs that where I'd want to really put this into a, and you know, into a theater-like venue where it's more of a play with a story and it, it having serious parts to it. Yeah. Uh, so... I do have these gigs coming up, so let's just do the stand-up version of it. So we tweak that. We put it in a different order than it was in. And I got to this point where I was like, well, I don't have an ending. I don't have an ending. I'm doing this roller skating bit. It doesn't work anymore to, for some reason, probably because it's so old. It's something I've been doing for like 25 years as a comedian. Maybe we can re rewrite it add stuff to it and make it longer and something that I'll like. So we're trying to do that, right? And I do this a lot with people. I listen to them, which she's the director and I'm paying her. So she's like, um, what if you dressed up at the end when you're doing the roller skating bit and you're explaining going to this all night roller skating party, which is what the story was, and you have all the shit that you said, because it's all callbacks from earlier in the show, right? So in, earlier in the show, I talk about having an Asia jersey from the band, not the continent, and I talk about that. And I talk about wearing members-only jackets and parachute pants and, and having Dracar cologne, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the show, she convinces me to buy the clothes. At the end, like when this Journey song comes on, open arms and it's supposed to be a roller skating rink, rink from the 80s that I'm in when I'm telling the story I slowly put the clothes on right now that's hard to do that's hard to do very well not only hard to do I've always hated when a comedian like 
changed clothes or like did that there, there used to be this comedian in la and uh i forget what his i don't want to say his name but he used okay. to he used to he would go on at the comedy store all the time and he'd have one of those chinese walls on stage so he mm -hmm. could dress behind it so the crowd couldn't see him and he would have elaborate costumes like when he would dress like uh Tom Cruise from Top Gun. I mean, he had the authentic leather, the exact sunglasses, the the pants, like it, like the real shit. Like it, mm -hmm. like it almost looked like he went into a Hollywood, uh, like where they make movies, and someone let him like take shit out of wardrobe. Right? It was like yeah. debt, and it was high end shit. And he would. I remember when he would do Top Gun. He would just like the the fucking danger zone song would come on, right? And all he would do is put it all on, put the sunglasses, and do the fucking Tom Cruise smile. That was and that was it. And then when the yeah. bit and the crowd would clap, and then he would all of a sudden, and I don't even know if he knew this, how much more funny this was and how much more interesting it was. He would tell the story behind how he got that costume. He would just tell it really fast, and I'm like, the fucking, you putting it on and doing fucking Tom Cruise sucks, but when yeah. you tell the story of how you had to get that shit, I'm, I'm all in, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I'm fucking, I'm feeling it, I don't, and I don't realize it till I'm on stage this weekend. And n not only do I not have the Chinese wall to hide behind, I literally take my pants off on stage. I'm in yeah. my underwear, right? My I'm in my underwear, and I pull the parachute pants on, and then yeah. I put the Asia shirt on. Then I put the members-only jacket over what's it. What's the audience? That, what's the audience's vibe while you're doing this? They're into it, like you know, because they're drunk fucking idiots, and Journey's playing while I'm all doing yeah. it. They're loving yeah. it. Okay. And then I take the Dracar cologne and I spray it down my pants as a callback to my friend <laughs> yeah, yeah. who used to spray cologne in his on his balls. It's a callback to earlier. Yeah, they're loving it. But I remember even Seinfeld used to say, "Like, do you ever notice comedians that destroy on stage? They're not usually the best comedians. Like, the best comedians mm. just do good. Right. Like, those are the ones that have really smart, creative material. Fucking." cheese kills right dress it like if you've ever seen uh i'm gonna slam a comedian i don't want to say his name either i don't want to slam him but there's comedians out there that just dress up for their whole set like uh -huh. different fucking famous people and the crowd goes fucking crazy the, the guy will be in high heels with a wig and the crowd's like yeah but you know no <laughs> comedians in the back going oh this is great <laughs> yeah. so like i felt that and it sucked because the rest of my show I kind of liked. But I was like, I, so this is where it was eBay crazy. I went mm -hmm. on eBay and bought the fucking Asia shirt, dude. I bought the members only jacket. I bought the uh, the parachute pants, which is are like two size. They're so too small, even though they're, they're, they're my normal size. Right. So I went yeah. before I did the bits this weekend and realized that I don't want to do this. I ordered another pair of parachute pants bigger. Oh, oh shit. Right. So I just got those. I didn't even open them. And I'm like, it's it's kind of difficult to return to eBay because the parachute pants are new. They're not they're like a new version of the 80s. 
But the members only jacket's old. That's it, it, an actual old one. Uh, and then I bought something that I didn't even need for my show. Just because mm-hmm. I got eBay hooked. I was like, this is fun. There's all this old shit. It's fun. It's fun when it shows up at your house and it's old and you're like, is it? And I always wanted like a black motorcycle jacket, mm-hmm. like a black, you know, those black uh, leather Andrew Dice Clay jackets. Always yeah. wanted one of those. And I saw one for like 60 bucks on eBay. And like the ones I've seen in stores now cost like 800 when when I like them mm-hmm. and they fit well. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to guess. This thing was so too small for me, even though it was in a 42. I'm like, I wear a 40. How is this a 42? And it's fucking, the arms come, it comes down to like here on my arms, if you can see my arm. Yeah, yeah. And it's so short, it looks like a woman's jacket. I was like, what the fuck (laughs) is this? So I don't know why I went all in on that fucking outfit. And, and and doing all that. And, well, you've done crazy shit like put wigs on and stuff on stage. Yeah. Do you feel I stupid? came out dressed like a monk and then I strip and then I put on clothing. Yeah. So how did you feel when you did that shit? Usually pretty bad. You feel like I mean, you feel like a shitty comic, don't you? I feel like, like I had pro- it was my first time in my act, dude. I had to have a gym bag on stage sitting on the mm. floor ready for my props at the end. I was like, what am I've never had a prop. What am I doing? Yeah, I also didn't like that. I like I'm thinking about bringing back that show, but like I don't want to strip again. And I also don't want to do like a fucking Indian accent. I mean, <laughs> on stage. I feel like that's a bad look these days. You can't tell. <laughs> oh, no, it show. really is. You're right. When you have a joke that has the Indian voice, you're like, oh, no, it's got the Indian voice. I mean, I tried to make it like very ambiguous, like he could be like a Russian dude who lived in India or something. But like, you know, who knows? Uh, so let's see if the. Uh, I don't think I have the phone. I don't think anybody called, but um, let's check because they said they did. I got people who said they fucking did. <laughs> he says they called. I say they did. <laughs> I hate this laptop. Yeah, um but it is it is a tough thing like to do a costume change and not have it be hacky. I'm sure there is a way to do it just like anything like but it's difficult. Um. Well, you also forget, I'm also doing stand-up with pictures, so that feels kind of hacky, too. Like, like ideally, I've always said, if I did this show in a theater with a story, I'm not mm-hmm. even going to use pictures. I like bringing them to the world, creating, mm-hmm. creating what I'm talking about through their imagination, like... You can do everything in a black box if you have some sound effects and right. and and good lighting. Like a, a good theater has good lighting where they can make things look a certain way where you don't I, I don't want to have to show them pictures. Yeah. All right, looks I've like been... we do have some calls. Oh yeah, I told you. Some weird area codes too. Oh, we got like one, two, three. We got four we have four calls. I told you, Joe. All right. Well, let's hope they're all uh 
We don't have any spam here. Okay. Let me put my headphones on because I can't hear the calls without the headphones. I got to piss, so we you want to piss wrap. before or after? Let's just let's let's just make this like 10 15 minutes tops. All right. Well, we can do it faster than that. Okay. All right. Here's the first one. Oop. Or maybe we could save two for next week. Well, you don't think they're relevant to what we're talking about this week? They have nothing to do with it. They're just random no, questions. No, I told them about rare rare sexual experiences. Okay, well, I have a feeling one of these might just be somebody I knew calling in because I right, posted so, it on social media, just questions for me or you. So, yeah, let's save right. two, do two. Joe, Chris Smash Van Mass, what's going on, brother? Hey, Andrew, how you doing? This question can be for either. In fact, it's for both of you. Um, Starbucks, in their infinite lack of wisdom, oh, what a bunch of fucking yodels, um, they want to phase out disposable cups by 2023 or 2024 or sometime in the near future, which I think is ridiculous. Um, so you either have to bring your own cup to Starbucks or use one of theirs that you could borrow for a dollar, and then if you return it, you get your dollar back. I think it's ridiculous. I don't think it's going to work, and I hope they go out of business if they inc intend on doing this. I think it's just stupid. It's kind of like, to me, I see this as like a restaurant wanting to phase out you know, plates and silverware. you got to bring your own plates and silverware. It's kind of the same to me. I think it's just, I, I get that they're trying to save the environment, but we don't have to lose our fucking minds over it. There's other other things we can do. It's just got me up in a, a tizzy. I hope you guys are both doing well. Talk to you soon. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Well, it's hard to answer a question, honestly, when you call them yodels, and you're like, oh, am I a yodel if I disagree with you now? So no, he's saying. Don't you think he's saying the the people that run the store are the yodels? Yeah, but if I completely agree with them and I'm like, oh, I think that's brilliant. You then, can uh, well, go ahead. He doesn't, you know. I kind of. He I wants kind to of, hear your opinion. I mean, I get logistically it's a pain in the ass, but theoretically, I hate drinking out of paper and plastic. It tastes gross. It doesn't. It's not as enjoyable an experience, even. Fuck the, I mean, the environment's important, but that's not even why I, I appreciate that. So what would you, what would you bring in there? Like what you, what do you bring in a big thing? Yeah. Bring in your own fucking reusable tumbler. But they have sizes there. Like how are you supposed to get a tall grande or vente? You got to own something that's an exact vente size. No, I feel like honestly, it probably, they got to, they got to take the cost. They got to give you a little extra here. If they're implementing this thing, they're... You bring a gallon thing in, and they got to no, give you a gallon of coffee. Not that crazy, but uh, but I'm saying like they should give you a few extra ounces and not upcharge you. What would um, the old Andrew, how would you how would you um, rob them with this new, <laughs> <laughs> this new uh, strategy of theirs? I just keep the cup and go to a different Starbucks every time you for a dollar. You just keep repeating it. Well, yeah, if you, if you get the cup, you borrow it for a dollar... Right. And you just go to your local uh, coffee shops after that and have them fill it up. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure my wife's entire family is completely on board with that. I'm sure they're they're very <laughs> – they make fun of me. I'm the least about the environment out of everybody in this family. But compared to my 
I'm more like that than my family, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like I do get annoyed with uh not that I don't like recycling and I don't like littering. I hate litter and I pick it up when yeah. it's not even my litter. I just hate it. But uh someone told me that they read somewhere that like they they saw something like how you have to separate all your paper and plastic, how they saw it yeah. saw them dumping it all into one thing later. And how it's stupid that we have to separate it. Like it pisses me off too. I agree with that too. I'm like, we're going too extreme for no reason, and and in some other ways, I'm sure. They're they're just making us do it to make ourselves feel better, and it's not helping at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. All right, let's go to the next caller. I think we can get through all of these. Hey, I'm gonna keep myself anonymous because I feel like if anyone hears the story, they'll know who it is. Uh, I want to share a rare experience that I've had. Um, so here it goes. Um, I am in a grad program and I have a bunch of male friends around me. Important information. One, I am gay. Two, uh, I love throwing a theme party. So one time I threw a pride theme party at my house, a pretty big party, about like 60 or 70 people showed up. Um, at the end of the party, uh, one of my straight friends approached me and started making out with me and we started hooking up. Uh, we ended up going back to my room and having sex. Um, I walked out of my room uh, immediately after, kind of glowing from the fact that I just hooked up with one of my straight friends, to see two of my other straight friends hooking up, making out in my backyard. I joined them and then had my first threesome with them immediately after hooking up with my other friend and ended up having sex with three of my straight friends in one day. Um, I feel like that <laughs> is pretty rare, uh, so I just wanted to share that. I hope you all have a phenomenal day. That's awesome. You're my hero, man. I know who this is, and I'm, I like this guy I was going to say, where, this had to come from your side of things. How did you post it on social media that that was what he left? Well, because I told you. I, I had the picture of me kissing Frankie with the short hair. I said this is my first time kissing someone with a shorter hair than me. Uh, what's your rare sexual experience? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question for people to answer for the podcast. Wow, that's a. How do you get? I, I guess he's young, because even yeah. even in the gay sexual world, that's a lot of boners to get. In a, in a, I mean, what were the? What's the time period in between that? He has sex with a friend, he's all glowing, and then he sees two guys that are his friends in the backyard hooking up, and then he hooks up with them. Is it like immediate as he's leaving the bedroom? I imagine the two people he hooked up with were a straight couple, a man and a woman. Oh, it was a couple. I thought he said yeah, two of his other straight friends were. Well, they could be up. straight. Oh, he though, met but... guy and girl, and then he had a threesome. That's what I'm. But guessing. still, it's but... another. It's another boner. I mean, I guess I don't know. Yeah, that would be another question to ask you. I mean, uh, I know I can't have sex and then have sex fucking five minutes later again. <laughs> I just, but I'm I 54 years old. I need a nap. I, I can even remember when I was young, this really hot girl like wanting to have sex with me. And she was way younger than me. Like, this girl was, like, 18, I think. 18, and I was, like, I don't know, 29 or 30. It was just crazy. And uh, and and I remember her wanting to have sex again right mm-hmm. afterwards. And I was like, no. And she was like, why? And I'm like, <laughs> fucking two minutes later. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're hot as hell, but I got nothing here. Yeah. Um. Joe, I gotta pee real bad. Let's let's save the other two. Oh, dude, what is this? 
please. One please. of them is a, is a six oh nine. Can we just let's just do one more because it's somebody local, or do okay. you just go to the bathroom and come back? I can hit pause. Okay, let's do that. All right, screw that pause. Uh, we're not doing a pause, everybody. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. We're gonna save. We got a couple of calls here, and we're gonna save them. Um, and jeez, uh, I forgot Jerry Rowan left a song that he wanted us to play. It was a whole nother subject. Jerry, uh, I'm not gonna screw you. Uh, I had asked some of the other listeners about favorite '80s movie montages, and I had him play this song "Living Inside My Heart" now by Bob Seger. That was in this cheesiest, one of the cheesiest movies from the '80s ever, which is about last night, but with uh, Rob Lowe and and a young Demi Moore. We're going to talk about it next week. Remind me, Andrew. We're going to we've got to talk about '80s movies montages and play Jerry Rowan's uh, cover of Bob Seger's "Living Inside My Heart." And uh, okay, and let's get to uh, you know how you have to end every podcast. Is- that that had to blow everybody's eardrums out. I apologize for that. Ah, oh, God, I could, I could see it on the uh, on the waves on the on the recording. So that's the podcast. Keep listening. Pretender to contender every week. Andrew, thanks. I'm sorry you got to go to the bathroom so bad. And I I really appreciate you uh, revealing that. Very revealing story. That was in your wheelhouse. (laughs) Uh, Plugs, plugs, plugs. Um, Yeah, I got a show this Sunday at uh, the Comedy Shop on Bleecker. Sacrilegious, 6 p.m. Come out to that. Uh, just check my social media at Andrew Steiner for all my shows. Do that, everybody. And, you know, you've seen it scrolling the whole episode. Pretender to Contender is on Patreon now. Patreon.com forward slash Pretender to Contender. You get all the video of all the episodes and, and much, 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 much more. And my gig that I'm plugging is scrolling at the bottom also. City Winery in Philadelphia. Remember when? April 23rd. April 23rd, just one show there. Go to joematterese.com. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye. Later.